welcome back to another edition of the Sunday Card. It is a continuation of our summer series, the positional ranking show here on this beautiful show with these beautiful hosts. First off, me, Dan Zampano, humble brag. But even more impressive is our co-host, our partner in crime, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, in the building. Lou Paracone is here. Lemon Pepper Lou, looking fresh to death as ever. Gentlemen, it's good to be back after an AFC East show. Move over to the other conference, huh, Matty? Yeah, we got to slide over. Same side of the country, but different area of the league. AFC East was loaded. We had a ton to talk about, a lot of debate. We did say NFC East. We'll see. We got to get into it, but maybe not as much competition in this division and the NFC in general. But this is why we got to do our homework in the offseason because we got to we got to get the early reports on these teams. Lewis, the uh, narrative I'm hearing on some of the networks that I've been watching is that the Super Bowl runs through this division. Now, that's a big claim. Obviously, considering what we think is the best team in this division, the Eagles are in this division. But to say that the whole division, that's what the Super Bowl runs through? Is that is that a fact? Is that is that is that possible? So you mean Philadelphia? I mean, yes, but that's what I would assume. I mean, go through the rest of the NFC. How many other teams? Here's a trivia question for you again in the NFC. Who is the longest tenured quarterback with their team in the NFC? It's Dak, no? Yeah, Dak Prescott or Kirk it's Cousins. Dak, it's Dak Prescott. It's yeah. Dak freaking yeah. Prescott has been the quarterback his eighth season in the league. Does not seem like that long ago. Eight feels like he was a young kid taking over for Tony Romo. I mean, that's – yeah, came right in after Tony Romo. You know what? That's the team we'll talk about plenty today. First, before we do anything, we are going to do our kind of shadow quiz, our player quiz, based on stats alone. Last week, we gave player A and we gave player B. Matty Ice actually ends up nailing in about three guesses, player A being Aaron Jones and player B being Ramondre Stevenson. So here's how this works. Player A is a prominent player at their position. Player B is a player within the division that might be an underrated player. So, Maddie, I'm back here again with another quiz. Are you ready? I am very ready. Okay, here we go. Player A. Player A had 56 catches on 94 targets. He had 632 yards receiving, but just two receiving touchdowns. But he did average 11.3 yards per attempt. Player A also had 42 carries for 232 yards and three touchdowns, averaging five and a half yards per carry. That's player A. Player B, 64 catches on 92 targets, little better of kick percentage. 656 yards and four receiving touchdowns. Player B also had 38 carries for 187 yards and just one touchdown but had five yards per carry. Player A missed a little bit more time, though, than player B did due to injury. So, Maddie, who's player A and who's player B? We're talking running backs? We're talking wide receivers. Wide receivers that both had 
20 plus carries. Both had 35 plus carries. Wide receiver. That's you want me to I, give it to you again. I couldn't even I couldn't even figure out what position group we were talking about at first. So I know, the wide receivers. So this is it. Player A versus player B. Ready? Player A, 56 catches on 94 targets. Player B had 64 catches on 92 targets. Player A had 632 yards and two touchdowns. Player B had 656 yards and four touchdowns. Player A had 42 carries for 232 yards and three touchdowns, while player B had 38 carries for 187 yards, just one rushing touchdown. Who is this player? So player A is the one not in the division, correct? Yes, he's the prominent player at the position. Is that Debo Samuel? That is correct. Very good. Debo Samuel is player A. Very nice. And player B is Curtis Samuel? Very good. That's awesome. He nailed that. Round of applause for me. That was impressive. That was was very impressive. How did you get that? Well, I mean, once you give me wide receivers, I'm like, I I just had to focus on who – like the only player I can think prominently around the league is Debo that runs the ball that much. And Curtis Samuel, the first half of the year last year was like fantasy MVP. Like he was the first four or five weeks, he was off the charts. Um, and I remember obviously he, I think he got a lot of carries early on when Brian Robinson was dealing with his gunshot wound. So, um, and I, I think that's when he got a lot of his work. Uh, so yeah. Good show. Love that. Very good job. That was a toughie because Throwing that carries thing in was a little much. <laughs> I, again, I had no idea what position we were talking about at first. I was I was flabbergasted. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a good start. Seems like we'll be on track with the NFC East. I'm going to be honest, Matt. This just seems like Philadelphia Eagles a lot at the top here, and we'll go through it because I don't think every position they're at the top, but it's it's pretty close. They're in the top half of. I think all of my spoiler. It was hard to find them in the bottom half of any category in this division. Okay. So let's start with quarterback. Let's start with you first, and we'll go four to one. Yeah, I mean, this this one's cut and dry. I think this one's pretty straightforward. Washington with who knows who's starting out of Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, probably the rookie, just, you know, second-year player to start. Uh, the man who got paid, three, Giants, Danny Dimes. Big contract to live up to. Number two is uh, Dak and Cooper Rush with the Cowboys. And number one, Eagles with Hertz and Mariota, who I think is even a better backup for Hertz now than Gardner Mitchell was. 100%. I, right off the bat, we are lock, stock, and barrel. Same exact order. Um, yeah, I do think Sam Howell will get the start. I agree with that. And I think that he will probably – I think that Sam Howell has the most potential of some of those kind of like late-round picks from a year ago – uh, really liked him in the preseason when he played. And then at the end of the regular season, obviously having Jacoby Brissett in there is going to help them out. This is pretty straightforward with, with the Cowboys and Eagles because I think Daniel Jones is kind of his own thing. I think we both think that he more benefits from this coaching staff than than uh, than actually you know, some of his talent. Although I will say Daniel Jones fifth in the league in rushing for quarterbacks third in the league in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. He only threw five interceptions last year. So he was pretty good, had a higher passer rating than Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, played in as many games. Dak Prescott and him, had Dak Prescott had 15 interceptions. Daniel Jones had 15 touchdowns. So it's kind of pick your poison with that. But he is his running game 
I mean, very, very underrated. The problem is that there's basically the guy, if that he had stayed healthy, would have been the MVP, and that's Jalen Hurts. And at the top there with Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, obviously you want to see Jalen Hurts uh, maintain his level of of dominance that he had last year, only played in 15 games and still managed to have probably would have been a 4,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher, and 40-touchdown guy uh, if he had not gotten hurt. Um, who's the biggest question mark out of these guys? I feel like Dak is also in this strange middling area. Mm. Um, I'd put him in the Kirk Cousins realm of mm. better than most, even maybe, maybe well, we ranked Matt Stafford like top five a few years ago. So I can't say middling Matt Stafford realm, but uh, um, kind of a little bit similar to that. Again, like they've been around long enough. You know, they're at Derek Carr as well. They're good enough. But are they good enough to get you over the hump? And it's just, it's hard to reset because there's so many, you know, you've already got a guy that's at least competing with you in the division. But that next level in the playoffs, you know, Cowboys were, were top three in the, I think they were third in the league in scoring offense last year. Um, so again, you know, good player. He's got talent. But crunch time, some of the immeasurables of, uh, you know, being, being clutch and timely in the right times and the big moments is kind of, maybe what seems to be lacking for deck. The numbers this on paper always look pretty good, but it's always just those moments that maybe he doesn't pull through for the, for the Cowboys. We talked about the Cowboys kind of going horizontal in their free agency acquisitions with the new offensive coordinator they're getting. You would hope that Dak kind of a little bit more ascends, maybe has a little bit better flow to his game without Zeke Elliott. Maybe their running game isn't as bogged down, you would say. Um, and he has the ability to throw to pass catchers a little bit more, although he did a lot of that last year. Um, yeah, it's it's not a up or shut up time for Dak Prescott. It really is. It, with this contract the way it is, and if there's another disappointing season where there's maybe one playoff win and nothing further, it's going to be difficult to justify as we go forward, especially Jerry Jones and his impatience. Yeah, and then as far as Daniel Jones goes, he is now in a world with expectations and money backing him. And I just don't think that the New York New York fans, New York media, is ever going to say he lives up to the contract that he got. I just don't think they're ever going to give him credit living up to that, that money. Uh, especially with the issues that they're having at their next position, which will be running back. And we know that Saquon Barkley is officially kind of in a holdout period, uh, at least in the minicamp situation. Regardless, I think we can go along and say that Saquon will probably be in this running back room. So as we go forward, we'll obviously count that. Running back room, this was difficult, but I took a stab. I project, I projected a little bit towards this. So my running back room was as follows. Number four, Washington. Three is the Giants. Two is the Dallas Cowboys. And one is the Philadelphia Eagles. Very different list from mine. Okay, I like this. I, I also might have taken a stab. I, I I have the Cowboys four. I think that running back room without wow. Zeke Elliott looks a little empty. Washington, uh, I like Brian Robinson a lot. Eagles two. Hmm. And I have the Giants one. I'll start with why I have Saquon at the top, I guess. I mean, I, I, that's, and that's it. It's not the Giants. It's, it's Saquon. I, I really do feel like last year he proved himself to be, you know, back to his rookie level and, and an elite 
top three running back in this league as far as being able to do everything. He, he's extremely versatile and he can do just about everything that you ask a running back to do. Uh, and I think as far as on an individual level, if you rank, if we ranked all these running backs individually, he'd be at the top by a good chunk. Um, and then, you know, Eagles, I, I like the, the, the Swifts upgrade at overall athletic ability. I don't think they had a running, you know, Miles Sanders was good, but I think Swift's explosiveness is, is great. Penny also adds another great burst of speed. Uh, Rashad Penny coming in that room. And then you've got Boston Scott, the all around knows the system guy that you could plug in if you need to, and you know, down the stretch and crunch time, uh, especially when it comes to pass blocking and such. Um, yeah. And like I said, Washington, Brian Robinson, Gibson, I think is a good pair. And then the Cowboys Pollard now taking the full load himself is a big question mark to me. They've got Malik Davis and then the rookie Deuce Vaughn out of K-State, who definitely could... I'm wondering if how much you like Deuce Vaughn. It's, it's oh my god, fantastic. are you kidding? I think Deuce Vaughn is 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 definitely lifting your Cowboys. He definitely, uh, definitely Cowboys was. He might be 5 for 5, but he might have been the best running back outside of B. John Robinson in the country last year. I mean, he was unbelievable, and he's been a beast for two years. I get your sentiment on the Cowboys. I understand that. But when you look at what Tony Pollard was able to do with Zeke Elliott in the backfield with him taking away carries, the guy had 100 less attempts, rushing attempts, than Saquon Barkley, okay? He still, he still put up monster numbers, still was a 1,000-yard rusher, okay? Still had, only had 55 targets last year passing to him because Zeke was in the game so much. Zeke had a lot of yards. Zeke had a lot of production going out against him. But Zeke was bogging the offense down. I think with Tony Pollard being on the field, maybe a full, maybe 5 to 10% more of the time, I think the sky's the limit for Tony Pollard because of his explosiveness. That's where I'm seeing it. And as far as the rest of the the, the room is concerned, I think Saquon definitely could be a all-around back. But I think Tony Pollard, with his explosive play and his speed, is going to be able to be something similar to it. Outside of that, with Matt Breda, with with sitting with a with a rookie rookie at Eric Gray out of Oklahoma, Gary Brightwell's the uh, you're obviously you know kind of you know mixing and matching because Dallas's backups and the Giants backups you're not really seeing a lot of differences. I will say you know with Ronald Jones back there it gives you a little more power. I feel like um, you know you don't love it. But he's going to be more that power back than than uh, than and obviously not at the level of Zeke Elliott, but he'll be that quote unquote power back. I think this is Tony Pollard's offense um, above the Giants, and again that was really really close, and it was a big projection for me. I think Tony Pollard, if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to buy in on Dallas's offense and the new offense they're going to run this year, I think it goes through Tony Pollard. I really do. Yeah, I mean, that's Schottenheimer's game is run the ball, set up play actions. I mean, that's definitely what he wants to do. Um, talk to me about your your Eagles love for this Eagles, yeah. Eagles running room. Uh, you like the additions of Swift and Penny. I with, do. So you've got who's out, uh, Sanders and uh, well, Kenny Gainwell's on the team, isn't he? Or no, you Kenny just said, Gainwell is still yeah. there. So one, um, of those, one of those guys Sanders is not going to make it. Yeah. yeah, one of those guys is not going to make it. I imagine, well, they have Swift, Gainwell, Penny. I think Boston Scott will probably stay on the team as well. And then Trey Sermon, if people get hurt, maybe makes the practice squad. You never know. So, and I know you were big on him uh, fantasy wise, like a year or two ago, whenever he came out of the league. Um, the only issue I have with this 
with his group is can everybody stay on the field? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's my one concern. But DeAndre Swift, when he's on the field, is a monster. Rashad Penny, again, when he's on the field, is averaging like six yards a carry. Um, Kenny Gainwell, again, a lot of like I thought he was dynamic, especially in the playoffs for them. Really offered them something that they didn't have in any of the other running backs. And I think Swift is definitely an upgrade from from Sanders. And then you obviously have Boston Scott in there. So I just think like you're not really if Swift is is starting, he's an A caliber starting running back in the league. With the backups that you have, some of them are teetering. Like Penny, I think, is close to that. I don't think he's quite there. Gainwell with the change of pace with the explosiveness. I just think they're very diverse and they have a lot of talent there. More talent, I think, than any of the other full rooms. You obviously would say Saquon Barkley is maybe the best running back in this division, yes. But if Swift is healthy, I think that's where I'm saying, okay, now they're really, really loaded, and they could be even more explosive than they were with Miles Sanders involved. I, I'm sorry. I think Washington's running backs are the worst, without question, because I don't see anything from Brian. Both Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson averaged under four yards a carry last year, both of them. I mean, that's just not going to cut it to me. And until they can figure out how to run that offense – Maybe Biennemi coming over there might be a, a change of pace, but I, I don't see Washington doing much running. Yeah, I'll say just one thing about the Eagles. I do like the home run speed they have now, like the getaway mm -hmm. speed uh, improvement from Swift and Penny with the offense they run. You know, I mean, the holes that that Hurts is able to generate with, with you know, pulling that ball out, you know, or, or giving them that ball last second. I mean, when they have those those windows that open up, they are going to be able to hit them in a hurry, and they will be they will have some home run plays with Swift and Penny, just getting the ball in timing perfectly and having daylight ahead of them. Well, they're going to be the yards eaters. Hurts is going to be the guy scoring touchdowns. Hurts had thirteen rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah, I, nobody else came close as a quarterback. It Dan, was ridiculous. You just run the play. You just run, run the play. <laughs> you run the play. You run the quarter sneak. The, 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 the stack the line play. You just run the play. You just run the play. It works every time. Yeah. That's it. Run that like three yards in a cloud of dust on that one. Good Lord. All right, pass catchers. And, again, I think this pass catchers one, you're, you're going to find some discrepancy. I really do. Every one of these teams, well, there's a lot of stacks. There's a lot of good pass catchers here. There are. I'll lead it off. At four, I do have the Giants. They add Darren Waller. As you should. The, the wide receivers are still lackluster. Number three, I have the Cowboys. Number two is Washington. And number one, I have the Eagles. How, cl how close are we? Too close. We have the same list. There it is. I know. Ah! You, you love those – and I think the big the big one is Washington over Dallas, mm -hmm. where people probably wouldn't have it. Um, look, I, I CD Lamb is, is a is a great wide receiver. He's fantastic. Cooks is getting a little old. You know, he comes over. I think that's good because he can play on the outside alongside with Gallup, and I think that's going to CD is going to play out of the slot a lot this year, uh, which he he did a lot already last year, and I think he's going to excel at it. It hit CD and Cooks will kind of go in and out. Um, Gallup, Michael Gallup's a name that everybody knows. And has expectation for, and I just don't know if he's delivered on it in these past three. I mean, when he's even when he makes the field, and they don't, I feel like they just don't have a tight end now. Like their their lack of tight end from Dalton Schultz, you know, it, 
they've had a couple guys in there um, versus Washington. You've got guys, the, the blend of, of talent that they have with Terry McLaurin, who's just such a good number. We love Terry McLaurin. He's on the number show. one. I don't have to tell you about it. He's number one, does it all, does everything. Crisp route runner. Jahan Dotson is going to be Jahan, Jahan, whatever it is. Already hearing it in the fantasy circles. He is big time talent. He is going to start creeping up those boards. You've got the Curtis Samuel, who is the perfect slot trick play guy. And then you've got a big body tight end in Logan Thomas. Like they've got such a well-rounded pass catching unit. Um, I, I just can't love it enough. And they're not even done there because I, I even like the kid. If, if Dotson doesn't work out, Dayami Brown, man, yeah. that kid can play too. He had a good like, year last year. He had a good year. Dotson, I, I he was one of my first dynasty players that I picked up in that draft. Like he, I, I loved this kid. I mean, I thought he could just fly. I loved him at Penn State. I think Logan Thomas probably sets it off for me, but it's not so much Logan Thomas to me. It's the youth, man. I mean, it's the youth versus Dallas. We've seen Michael Gallup before. Brandon Cooks is all reliable. Don't get it twisted. The guy's got 1,000 yards on five different teams. Nobody in the NFL history has done that. I, older player, no question about it. I think Lamb and McLaurin kind of, kind of, we would say, cancel each other out yeah. because they're both really, really – I'd say Lamb is maybe slightly more explosive, but, but still they're both productive. I do think that this pass-catching room in Washington is solid. Make the argument then, is Philly – with what they have, is there room to say, okay, Washington is that good, they're that young, they're that talented. Do they come anywhere close to Philly? I think it is close, but I mean, talk about another team that's young. I don't know. I mean, A.J. Brown is is, is the veteran there. He's not that old. Uh, he's got to be what? 20, 27? 26. Yeah, like, like he can't, he's not that old. You've obviously got Bob Smith just came in the league two years ago. Um and you've got a, just a, a top five tight end in Dallas Goddard um, mm-hmm. on your team as well for, you know, again, talk about just all reliable third down guy. And you've got so much explosiveness, so much explosiveness as, as far as those other guys that could fill in with, with Quez Watkins. And uh, they add Zacchaeus, Olamita Zacchaeus. You love that guy's name, don't you? Yeah, that one always <laughs> gets me. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I, I would put A.J. Brown a notch above McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb. I, re- I really do. I think he well, – After last year's all-pro year, yeah. I, I mean, he is just such a matchup nightmare for for some guys. And his his mix of just his his jump ball ability, his his speed, and his power. I mean, his power for his size is just in- insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I it is very close. I thought about going Washington number one, but I still would give – the, the edge of the Eagles. I think you're, you've got an A receiver in McLaurin, but after that, you're looking for more ascending players. Smith and, and Brown are already just pure dogs. Like the fact that they were a run based team for the, for the most part, RPO action team, and they both had over 1,100 yards receiving, that's a very, very scary thing, especially Brown. I mean, you're right. He is a nightmare. And then, like, Devontae Smith, to me, is just like the slim reaper, man. He just goes up and gets whatever he wants, and he's just this skinny little dude that knows how to run routes. I mean, he's incredible. I think Alameda Zacchaeus, having him come in and be, like, the new Zach Pascal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at his numbers from last year, he had over 500 yards receiving on a garbage Falcons team. 
So, and he was the number three receiver on that team, more than likely. So that's all you're really asking him to be. Uh, I agree with you. I think I think uh, Philly is there. And obviously with the Giants, it, it's very similar to the Patriots. It's like the same thing. It's a bunch of B receivers and we got a pretty good tight end. So that's that's pretty much what it is. I will say, yeah, I mean, it's like they could, they, you know, they did a little bit, obviously. And in another division, they could definitely not be bottom of the barrel. Like they're not like, they're pretty bad, but uh, interesting note when I was again doing research, PFF ranked the top 25 wide receivers from last year, and Isaiah Hodgins snuck in for them at 25 as far as best receivers last year. They said down the stretch he had a, he had a great year. Uh, you know he had a, he had a really good good numbers down the stretch, and his completion percentage on balls thrown to him was 82, percent which was second in the NFL last year. Hmm. So interesting. Keep an eye out for Isaiah Hodgins this year. Might be an ascending player in that offense. That's a that's a sneaky little sneaky little nugget right there. Yeah, didn't have didn't do much. Did he? I mean he played on two teams? Um, yeah, just like three hundred and four hundred yards, just four hundred yards catching and four touchdowns, but only played in ten games. So you know, and didn't see the field um, a lot till the end of the season. So right, exactly after he was traded. Let's go to defense and again it's easy to just throw philadelphia in there like yeah like they're deep deep because even the talent they lost they really replenished a lot of it but i do see i do see like washington giants dallas i could see all of these teams kind of together and i think this is the strength of this division are the defenses here because I see good D lines across the board. I see solid players for the most part at other positions, whether it's linebacker, whether it's corner. I think each team has another solid player at a, at a different spot. If I was going to do this though, defensively, and it was difficult to do, I'll go Washington four, the Giants three, Dallas two, and Philadelphia one. So we, we've just got a flip-flop at three and four for me. I've got the Giants okay. at four in Washington. That's the one three. that was the hardest for me, too. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we've talked about the Eagles' defense, and they just – not only did they salvage their free agency, which everybody thought they were going to get absolutely ravaged, not be able to sign anybody. I mean, they did a really good job of keeping that secondary together, keeping Slay and Bradbury um, – they had to let go. Uh, what CGJ had to go. Yeah, he's, he's in, gone. He's, he's in Detroit now, or, or Detroit. Sorry, Detroit. I think. Yeah. Um, and then they just reload with more, like more Georgia Bulldogs to just throw into that defense. Like they, Howie's doing such a good job of drafting defense for that team. Um, and then the Cowboys, you've got a, a MVP candidate playing linebacker for you, Mike Parsons, who is one of the biggest game wreckers across the entire league. Um, so him alone, like boosts the Cowboys defense up, especially in the role that he plays where he's kind of controlling the defense and, and calling the plays and shifting guys around. Um, he's just a massive advantage for them. They add Stefan Gilmore to go alongside Trayvon Diggs. And like we said, Gilmore kind of reinvented himself last year. And I think him getting paired up with Dan Quinn, I mean, Dan Quinn's got to mm. love to have a savvy veteran like Gilmore out there um, and is going to be able to get the most out of him. I think so. Uh, I think those two separate themselves above. And then I love, We've talked about it for a long time that Washington's been living off this front 
more of a front four than their front seven is not looking the, the linebackers or maybe there. And uh, I mean, they're going to have problems after this year. Cause they're, they're, they're already talking about problems of keeping uh, Montez sweat and chase young on the team. It's seeming like it's not, I don't know if be. chase young makes this season. To be quite honest. There's also a lot of talk. I actually heard rumors about Detroit for chase young. Or, no, 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 no. Where was it? Shit. I don't know. It might, if it was Detroit, I mean, that's, that would be, be a, big. That's a huge ad for them. Um, and the problem, the problem I have with the two teams at the bottom are, are their secondaries. Washington mm-hmm. having rookies now on the right side and at their nickel position, um, and then the Giants' the secondary is led by Adore Jackson, and it's just we don't can't we don't love like the the player you could be like I like the most in the secondary is Adore Jackson, and that's a tough pill to swallow. I, I actually love Xavier McKinney. I, I think he I think he's a really solid safety back there, and they drafted him. I think he was a second round pick. Uh, I think in 2020 or 2021, I can't remember, but he, I thought he was a really good player out of Alabama, smart developing player. Um, that's what did it for me for the giants in Washington was Washington starting the two rookies at two corner positions and like, say what you want. I know there's some people that love Emmanuel Forbes. I can't get over the 165 pound thing. I just, I can't, <laughs> the guy might get picks. When there, when he's got to do run support, that's a major problem, you know. I mean, when he's when he's got you know Lane Johnson coming at him, you know, that's that's a problem. So you know, to me, that's where the rubber meets the road for me on on that defense, and and the fact that I'm not sure if Chase Young makes it to the season. I love that front if it's there. My issue is for most of these guys is is that outside of Philadelphia, there's just nothing behind them. You know, I mean, you you look at you look at uh, Washington. I actually like Jamin Davis and Cody Barton. I think those linebackers are like, you know, small but gritty. There's just not a lot behind them. There's not a lot behind the the front four for Washington. Certainly not a lot behind their secondary, and their secondary is not that good to begin with. For Dallas, I just think it comes down to having Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. Like at, at the end of the day. If I got to choose something, I've got Demarcus Lawrence on one side. I got Micah Parsons to play two different positions on the other. I'm not sure what we call Micah Parsons anymore. Edge rusher, linebacker. He'll probably play, you know, H back at some point this year. Like, I don't know what we call him, but we call him beast. He gets his own category of position. And then I love your point about Steph Gilmore because we he's always been a man corner. And then he went to Indianapolis and had to learn how to play zone. That's what Dan Quinn is going to do, especially with having a pass rush. It's going to allow Steph Gilmore to play his own coverage and be able to, you know, be a little bit more jumpy and aggressive, especially as a longer kind of uh, better tackling uh, cornerback. So for me, that's why I have Dallas and then the Giants. And, and with the Giants, it's it's young talent. I mean, don't forget about the Giants signing Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. You got the two young kids in, in Thibodeau and Ojolari on the outside. I mean, they're ascending. That's an ascending defense. Now, I think they're going to be about player development as they go forward with some of their backup guys. They didn't add a ton to the defense, but it's about player development for them. And I think if they go that route and they can do that well, I think that they could be a very dangerous team, even to the point where they might be able to be as good as a Dallas, maybe even a Philadelphia when all is said and done. Um, Let's go to coaching. Man, it's like, you know, there's a lot of good coaches, especially a lot of good coordinators in this division. It's kind of hard to separate these guys. 
but somebody's got to do it. So, Matt, I, I don't know. Um, I, I really could go one through four, four through one. We might have different different views here. Yeah, this, this list could be all over the place. I agree. Um, four through one. Cowboys are four. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's still head coach. Uh, Giants are three. Eagles two. And Washington one. Interesting. So we're, we're way off. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know how much you like Dan Quinn. So you're going to. I do that's, like that's Dan boosting Quinn. up Cowboys. And I'm Mike McCarthy is sinking them just as much as he, you're lifting them well, up. Well, we'll get the, we'll get the okay, Dallas sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I got Philly at four. Hmm. The, the coordinators leave a little bit. So. Yeah. I got Washington at three. I got Dallas at two. I got the Giants at one. I mean, and the reason just being, I mean, the guy, Dable, just won coach of the year. And we know that he's the reason behind the offense getting out from under itself. Wink Martindale, man. That's a good defensive coordinator right there. That's a guy that knows what he's doing defensively. And I think that they will benefit from him being there another year and player development is the key for that team like i said before with dallas not so much mccarthy it's more the addition by subtraction for me with kellen moore and adding in brian schottenheimer that's where that's where i'm about i think this will be a much more uh cohesive unit for Dak. the question is can the talent rise above can the offensive line go i love schottenheimer and I think McCarthy is going to have a lot more hands off because Kellen Moore is just firing off missiles whenever he wants to, and especially in the fourth quarter. Okay, I get your Washington love. I love the enemy, like all for it, man. My issue is now the enemy's on his own. He's got no Andy Reid backing him up there, you know, to, to, to throw off stuff. He's running the offense. There's no Rivera is a defensive coach. Jack Del Rio and him are going to go off about you know how they. You know, had, had a great time, you know, 20 years ago at, at some, you know, coaches convention. You know, Biennemi is kind of on his own here with a very young quarterback. We'll see how he does now in, in the tank by himself. And I love Sirianni for the team. I think he fits his team the best. But I, I got to see how they replace Gannon and Steichen, who I didn't really love in the first place. So, you know, there's that. That That's my... That's my one thing about Philly that I think could bite them in the ace is is just their their coaching core. I do forget, and you know, this will be super nerd, but Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, is the greatest offensive line coach of our generation, really. So as long as he's there, I'm comfortable with it. But I just think that the Giants with Martindale and the coach of the year, Dable, they have more of an impact on their team, I think, than any of these other coaches. Yeah, I, the, the margins were razor thin, I think, mm-hmm. with this one in this division. Again, you know, you knocking an offensive coordinator who led the third most high-scoring offense last year oh, is one God. thing. You know, I get that you don't like it, but it gets results. It gets results. It gets somewhere. It gets somewhere. It gets the divisional round. Is the offensive coordinator's job to score points, or is it not? Good Lord. Hey, I, listen. Dallas now. I got them too. So you're burying them. You're burying them. Yeah, McCarthy's just an anchor, you know? An anchor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an anchor dragging them down. 
don't know. I just wreck, just wreck of the wreck of the Mike McCarthy, right? I'm there. I'm definitely more when it comes to coaches. You're a little bit more familiar with everybody's everybody's play styles and stuff. I'll just the name recognition in Washington for me. Just it, it, it's the, they got name power in Washington. If we're being honest, Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy, Jack Del Rio. I mean, that's just three guys I know. <laughs> that's three, three guys, guys that I'm like. These guys have been around the league. They're pretty good. You know, again, Jack Del Rio is definitely one of these guys. Same as Dan Quinn. Better as a coordinator than a head coach. Like we know that. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I give him your shooting the enemy in the foot before he even gets a chance. So I think, I think maybe who knows, maybe he's been some of the the success there in Kansas city. Uh, maybe was their office coordinator. Rivera Del Rio and the are the three guys that, that are sitting at your bar. When you walk in, when you walk into cheers, Del Rio, the enemy, and then on the other end is Rivera. You, you, that's what you're seeing. Drinking the same thing every time. I was going to say with a bucket of beers for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't I love to see that? God bless it. Lewis, what'd you think? What's the narrative for the NFC East? Dan, uh, you like Philly, huh? You, you're a big Philly guy these days? A little days? bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Where does your... We're going to go through this again, man. I... I See uh, now, uh, now I got to deal with you guys. I got, I just, got, I'm getting married to a Philly girl now. I hear it from her father left and right. He, he's got the little man saying, saying, uh, Pat's bad, fly Eagles fly. Like he's got, like I got to hear that from the in-laws now. Like it's brutal. And now I got to hear it. Now I'm a Philly fan. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, hey, I've seen it from all angles. That's the way the cookie crumbles, my friend. I'm just uh, <laughs> picking up what yeah. you're putting down. Uh, you want a narrative? Uh, we, well, listen. Like we said before, the NFC runs through this division, right? It runs through Philly. So uh, we'll get into the other divisions and the shows coming up, but everything you, you picked them first for everything but coaching, right? They're the best team. Okay? <laughs> I the feel like we didn't even talk about them. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah, we know they're too good. That's, uh, they're too good. Uh, I think Dak is, like you said, on the hot seat. I think this is make or break year. Um, I think if it's bad, McCarthy's gone and Dak is one. So, oh, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, where else do you go? I mean, honestly, you who know do, how long do you, you go keep get playing it? with the same deck? Who do you go get a coach? I, you got to see who gets Make fired. A stab at old, uh, old Jim Harbaugh, maybe. Just got rid of Kellen Moore. <laughs> oh God Almighty! <laughs> you pipe down. You pipe down. Cheers. Good Lord. All right, <laughs> that's enough of that division. Good Lord. We will see you next week for another edition of the Sunday Card. Another division will be the AFC North that we'll do next up. So for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver, and for our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, I'm Dan Zapano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season, at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.